The following program is part of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations China podcast series. For more information, please visit our website at www.ncuscr.org. I'm Jan Barris, Vice President of the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations, and with me is Dr. Pan Guang, Vice Chairman and Professor of the Shanghai Academy of Social Sciences Shanghai Center for International Studies. Dr. Pan is also the director of the Shanghai Cooperation Studies Center and dean of the Center of Jewish Studies, both of which are based in Shanghai. He is also the vice president of the Chinese Association of Middle Eastern Studies. Today, we want to talk to Professor Pan about his thoughts on China and the Middle East and the implications of China's role there for Sino-American relations. Pan Guang, welcome to the National Committee on U.S.-China Relations podcast series. We're delighted to have you.、Thank、you're you. an old friend of the committee, and we're delighted that this information you're about to share with us can be heard by lots of others. So let's start sort of in ancient history.、Um, thousand or more years ago, there was extensive trade between China and Middle Eastern countries, both along the famous Silk Road as well as through trade routes across the sea. That kind of trade was mostly trade, jade, silk, that kind of, of consumer products.、Um, but today, there's also extensive trade, and in fact, the trade volume between China and Middle Eastern countries has grown dramatically over the last decade. China apparently has surpassed the United States in 2010 as the top destination for Middle Eastern import, imports. China has also invested in the Middle East in railway projects in Saudi Arabia, for example. In Egypt, with the Suez Special Economic Zone, in Iraq to develop oil fields. So the question is: We know why China had that trade back in the old days. Why is China now paying so much attention to economic activity in the Middle East? And what has changed in the last decade, especially when the trade has increased so dramatically, to stimulate so much trade and investment?、Mm-hmm. The The driving force, driving、uh, factor is uh, like uh, at the beginning is oil and gas, but now is uh, uh, much more than that. Yeah, now it's、uh, small products because Middle East people really like everything made in China. <laughs> so the city like Yiwu,、uh, and maybe if you come to Shanghai, you can、uh, next time you can drive us three hours to Yiwu. Now the Yiwu, the small city, became the trade center. Uh, between China and Middle East, more than thirty thousand Middle East businessmen stay in this city.、Mm. They they send the container every day, many container to Dubai. Dubai became an also center. Ten、uh, years ago, no Chinese in Dubai. Now two hundred thousand Chinese you live in Dubai. It's a dragon city, something like that. So they transshipped all the products from China to、uh, many other country in Middle East. So in Middle East, you can see the people use the Chinese bicycle, everything made in China.、Uh, so not only oil and uh, and, and uh, gas. Now more and more is、uh, ordinary people use Chinese products.、Mm-hmm. Then joint venture, because joint venture is can uh, can uh, produce the, the very cheap uh, products. Mm-hmm. And、this is uh, especially uh, the people like like Iraq, in in some of the, the, the Egypt after the war and the riots, the people don't have money to buy the very expensive things. Investment, of course, because 
we have too many the construction company. Too many. Yeah. So now they construction uh, construct the uh, highway, bridge, and uh, a government building everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, too many inside China f- and yeah, not enough yeah. projects, so they've gone yeah, outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now the, they're not only Middle East in Africa, in Latin America, mm-hmm. they build uh, the thing every, Even here? everywhere. Even here. Even here. Yeah, maybe. And uh, just to give one example, the, after the war broke out in Libya, we have to brought back 36,000 people, 36 blocks. Right. I was surprised. I thought the more people in Egypt, in Algeria, in Saudi. Libya, I don't, didn't think so many people in, in Libya, 36,000. <laughs> and uh, of course, this is another issue about the Chinese investment model. This is not good for local people. Right. Yeah. They, they, they brought everything. They brought mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Family member, they even, uh, the, the, they even bring the cock because they like Chinese food. They don't like local food or something like that. So 36,000 people. So now uh, we're trying to do some, uh, provide more job for local people. That's a wise plan, I think. <laughs> uh, just a quick um, question on that. What Do you know what the percentage is now between these consumer goods that China is um, selling abroad and oil exports? I mean, how, what's the balance? I don't have the, uh, the very clear idea, but I know that China and the Arab country does not include Turkey, Israel, Iran. Last year, the trade, 200 billion. 200 billion. Liang Qian Yi. Yeah, very big, very big. Okay. But I think the most part is oil and uh, and gas. Okay. Yeah, oil. Uh, Saudi is now now number one. Saudi, of course, now U.S. don't <laughs> don't need more oil from right. Saudi. So China became number one custom, and Saudi became number one seller. Uh, two years ago, uh, China imported forty five million ton of the oil from Saudi, almost 20% of our imports uh, need oil. Yeah. Well, in addition to the increase in economic cooperation between China and the Middle East, you've also strengthened your defense cooperation with Middle Eastern countries uh, over the last few years. For instance, you have agreements with Egypt, Lebanon, Turkey, Oman, United Arab Emirates, and Qatar, among others. Uh, China has sold arms as well as military designs, manufacturing techniques, and technology to Iran, which, as you know, is a very sticky issue in the U.S.-China relationship. Um, what? How would you sort of ex- explain this relationship to those who are concerned, especially about what Americans see as China's intransigence in the Iran issue? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a very uh, interesting area. Is China just began to play some the security, even military role in Middle East? Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, like United States, they just beginning small. Uh, most people don't know we have one thousand soldiers in southern Lebanon, in the UN peacekeeping, peacekeeping forces. Right. Yeah, between Hezbollah and the Israeli army. And but at that time we have red lines. We only send soldiers to USP, UMP, uh, peacekeeping forces for medical and uh, construction. 
But two years ago, when we sent three warships to join the anti-piracy the coalition, so this the red line was closed uh, because this is fighting, really fighting. Yeah. But compared with the United States, NATO, and even Russia, this is very small. We don't have uh, the, the military base. And weapon selling, in fact, I think uh, uh, your information maybe 10 years ago or 5 years ago, since the U.S. and more important, Israeli, uh, we uh, have a good relations with Israel. So we are very careful to send the weapons of mass destruction to to Iran, to Syria, but uh, the regular weapons, this uh, maybe still sell by China. Some big weapons like missile, uh, I think maybe ten years, even long ago, we sell, uh, but now stop. But why they still have something made in China? This, for example, from North Korea, from Pakistan, mm -hmm. from the different way. You know now the. Uh, uh, in Afghanistan, the, the Taliban still have uh, weapons made in China, made in U.S. This is 1980s. We work together, give the weapons to this Mujahideen to against the Soviet invasion. But they still have these uh, weapons. So this is a weapons issue. Uh, speaking of the security relationship and weapons, um, how will China's Afghanistan policy change as the U.S. conducts its military withdrawal from Afghanistan? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, if the security situation were to become unstable and international terrorism unfortunately returned to Afghanistan, mm -hmm. how would China react? Yes, this is what I <laughs> what I uh, discussed. Well, the main purpose of I coming this time we have the uh, U.S.-China dialogue, uh, Afghanistan-Pakistan, mm -hmm. and uh, both sides really worry about the situation in the Afghanistan-Pakistan. Uh, because uh, <coughs> the, the, the central government is very weak, cannot control situation. Taliban became more and more strong, and uh, and uh, we uh, we think that we c any the future political and peaceful uh, process should uh, include Taliban or some of group of Taliban. So that's a very important. We never both China U.S. never put a Taliban in the list of terrorists only put some person. And Taliban is a representative of some huge people, poor people. Mm -hmm. They never attack the, for example, U.S. target out of Pakistan and Afghanistan. Completely different from Al-Qaeda. Mm -hmm. Al-Qaeda is international. They do global jihad. Taliban is local people. They just want to regime changes, something like that. So that's a very serious issue how we can uh, uh, talk to Taliban, uh, discuss with Taliban, including Taliban in the peaceful uh, process. Otherwise, it will be no stability after U.S. NATO leave. China, we now ready for this. Uh, I know President Obama, when he was in China, he told the Chinese leader, you are neighbor, we are not neighbor. You should be ready. We are now ready. <laughs> you are now ready. We are ready. You are ready. And okay. the one main idea is United Nations come. If United Nations come, China can join more easily, even consent soldiers. Right. Yeah, even consent soldiers to join the peacekeeping forces. Yeah. 
We don't have a lot of time left, but let me ask you one last question. It's a slightly sensitive question, but I know you're used to these kinds of sensitive questions. Um, China itself has a significant Muslim population, um, and that's often something that you emphasize in your discussions with Muslim countries and Middle Eastern countries. Um, But China's policies toward Muslims in Xinjiang, particularly Uyghurs, has created concern for some Muslims both within and outside China. So how do you respond to these concerns of both your indigenous Muslims and those from the outside who are very concerned about what they see as repression? Yes, this is very uh, important issue for China. We have 20 million Muslims. Um, but uh, only small, small group is what we call the fundamentalist. Mm-hmm. Many the very, very more orthodox and radical. Among these people, very small people, small group is separatist. Really want to establish some independent Xinjiang. But they are also not terrorists. Terrorists more, more smaller. Yeah, the group uh, in training base in Afghanistan. Then when the U.S., uh, the, uh, the war in Afghanistan broke out, the U.S. destroyed this training base. Uh, as you know, that you captured 22 ET members put in Guantanamo. Now, it's a very short uh, comment. Now situation is a spread of radical Salafism from Middle East. Yeah, from Middle East. So now in the... In the, in, 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 for example, in Kazakhstan, in Uzbekistan, in Xinjiang, some of the new organizations, not new organizations, old, old organizations called Hizbutari from Middle East spread. They want to do global jihad, global jihad. So there we pay this attention to this. We worry about this. So that's the reason why we should work together with the U.S. And uh, for the Xin, Xinjiang people, only some of Uyghur join this. No Hasak. No other Hui people, no. Only some of the Uyghur people went to the Afghanistan, to Kashmir, Pakistan, training. Uh, recently, rumor said uh, they go, even small group go to Syria to do the jihad. <laughs> so, uh, so this is the issue for China, for China, but uh, maybe don't have time to talk in detail here. Well, perhaps you'll talk about it at the event we are going to go to now when you have a bit longer time. And I hope that people who are listening to this podcast and who have an interest in hearing more of your fascinating comments, because you are among the Chinese, uh, certainly, I think, the the most... um, You are one of the wisest and uh, most thoughtful analysts of the Middle East situation. It's a subject (laughs) that you've been working on for a long, long time. Many of your colleagues who work on this issue just came to it recently, but you've been working on it for many years. And so we hope those who are listening to the podcast might watch our uh, webcast of your talk that you're about to give. Um, So thank you very, very much for joining us in our podcast program. And we look forward to future occasions to have a chance to speak with you about this. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. you.